Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Under the Hoodies. I am Bill Kegel. I am joined, as always, by Tony DeNicola. Tony, what is happening? Hey, what is going on, buddy? You are never going to guess where I'm podcasting from tonight. The Carrier Dome. Oh, no, I wish. I was there last night, though. Uh, your boy over here got his season uh, tickets. I'm very excited. Yeah, he did, and we are going to be we're going to close the show talking about Syracuse, uh, Syracuse Orange uh, basketball season. I'm very excited. Um, I feel like I'm going to learn a lot, and uh, I'm really looking forward to the season. I'm I'm even more looking forward to when you and I go to the SU uh, Florida State game together end of January. Really looking forward to that. Nice uh, birthday gift from the wife. So uh, pretty excited. So we're also going to talk oh, about the uh, NFL since. Dallas Cowboys stuff. Um, we're going to talk about the Giants' hollow 6-3 and three, uh, record. Not really much to report on the Bills. They've been pretty quiet other than Sammy Watkins practicing this week, um, which is good news for them. But that's all the Bills talk we're going to have for you. But I uh, want to get your thoughts on what Tony Romo had to say as a uh, Cowboy fan. And uh, we'll, take a, we'll take a quick look at some of the key games. We made a bet, um, so we're going to discuss that. But first, UFC 205. But even before that, where are you? Oh, well, actually, I am going to talk a little bit of Buffalo Bills because I'm outside on the farm right now. Uh, your boy came home, and, you know, we recently cut down a tree out front, so I fired up the old log splitter, splitting some wood, and I'm outside right now in front of a gorgeous bonfire that I built. And it's funny that you mentioned the Bills because, much like their season, this thing is going up in smoke. Right, well, it wouldn't be a podcast, folks, you unless today. your boy takes shots at your Buffalo Bills. Nobody uh, takes a dump on the wagon like Tony DeNicola on the Buffalo Bills. I, I can't help it that they didn't put in a toilet. But I got I to gotta go somewhere. Your boy has quite a bit of protein in the system. Sure, sure. Uh, anyway, let's talk UFC 205. This is going to go on the short list of things in my life that lived up to the hype because what a freaking night. Uh, yes. We're going to just talk Frankie Edgar. Frankie Edgar, that little guy is impressive. Uh, Khabib uh, Negametov, I'm probably butchering his last name, impressive. Um, you know, Joanna Violence, uh, very good. She had a she had, That was a tough fight for her against uh, Carolina. How do you say her last name? Do you remember from your notes? Kovalkiewicz. Kovalkiewicz. I love that you remembered it. Yeah, man. Um, and uh, Misha Tate retiring, huge. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about, um, you know, Chris Weidman, Yoel Romero, and uh, the uh, the fight of the night, the, uh, the oh, fight no. of the night bonus winners, by the way, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson and uh, Tyron Woodley. But first, Tony, where the fuck is my second belt? Three point two billion or four point two billion dollars. Where the fuck is my second belt? Chief where the Boston. fuck is me belt? Where the fuck oh, is me belt? So Chief that was an exclamation point. <laughs> you know, that was an exclamation point on an absolutely great night of fights, dude. Oh my god! And let's lead in with Connor, man, because what an impressive, impressive dude. He was touching, touching Eddie Alvarez's face. 
except that Eddie Alvarez is getting knocked around that octagon. The octagon probably looked like a circle to Eddie Alvarez after that fight because good gravy. Connor literally toyed with him before deciding to knock him out in the second round. I mean, it didn't even – it looked like you or I were fighting him. That's what it looked like. And Eddie Alvarez is no slouch. He's the 155 champion in a deep – in a in a deep weight class like um, like 155, and Audi Alvarez has been very good in that weight class. My God, what Connor did to him was nothing short of special. Um, go ahead, Tony. Oh, I'm going to dominate you him because you're you're the Irish. Oh, Irish Connor! It, it was amazing what he did to him. He defended three takedowns, and that's what drove me nuts about Alvarez. Is he played into Connor's game? He went with the standoff, and he even admitted online on his Instagram account that he just did it what he wanted to do. He said he did nothing he trained for. He did the complete opposite of what they planned for on a daily basis for 10 weeks. He he played right into Connor's hand. I mean, yeah, he tried to he tried to wrestle him. He tried to take him down. Connor defended three of his takedowns. Connor landed 32 yep. significant strikes on him and knocked him down three times, which is, you know, tied for the record and, you know, all time in UFC history in a fight with uh, Anderson Silva. It's I mean, every – I don't know what else to say about Connor. We're witnessing greatness. This is this is watching Michael Jordan. This is watching Muhammad Ali live. He's the best that's ever come around his sport. For a guy to talk that amount of trash, to game plan, to watch the film, to counter everything his opponent does, to dominate him in that fashion, I mean, it's amazing to me. In the last 11 months, Connor has KO'd Jose Aldo in 13 seconds, who hadn't lost a fight in almost 10 years, one of the best fighters of all time, a Hall of Famer. You know, he, he TKO's Alvarez, who also could be a UFC Hall of Famer, and he split two of the fight of the year candidates with, uh, with Diaz, who at the time, you know, I, Connor took that fight on, like, the one he lost on, what, maybe two weeks' notice and fought a much heavier Diaz. I mean, what else can you say? And the thing about that's the impressive about it's great, right? And the thing that was impressive about the first Diaz fight is, like you said, that um, he took it on short notice, bulked up because he was supposed to fight uh, RDA. He was supposed to fight Dos Anjos, and uh, Dos Anjos got hurt. Diaz took it on short rest and was like, "Well, meet me at 170 because that's where Diaz was." And he did. He bulked up in like what ten days from 155 yeah. to 170, and then took the fight. I don't and know not how much bulking he, up. I mean, was. not only did he Right. But not only did he take the fight, he was winning that fight before he made one crucial mistake and he went to the ground against Nate effing Diaz. And you don't do that. But the second fight equally is impressive, I think, uh, even though he won that one. I mean, that's still the fight of the year. And I say equally impressive in the sense that Potter clearly learned from that fight, right? He tagged Nate yep. Diaz. Who in, who, who in professional fighting, any sport, right now has a stronger chin than Nate Diaz. And Connor was tagging a guy much bigger than him with that just iron left fist that doesn't even look like it's making contact in real time. And docking Nate effing Diaz down repeatedly. Like that that is impressive. Um that left I is mean there's nasty and it's not even the power so behind it. It's the pure accuracy. He hits it perfectly every time when he lands it's it's just a thing of beauty. No, it really is. And, and, and man, I mean, this, this drum can't be beat enough. We're witnessing 
absolute greatness. You people, by the way, you people that hate on Conor McGregor and hate on LeBron James and hate on Tom Brady, enjoy them. Enjoy them while they last because in five years, those guys won't be around. And who's next? I want to know who's the next great UFC fighter. Yair Rodriguez, great fighter. He's not Conor McGregor. He's not going to entertain like Conor McGregor. Who's the next great NBA player? I, I mean, yeah. Carl Anthony Towns. They're pro- probably he's not still LeBron. in high school. Right. Or maybe not even not even in high school yet. I mean, we're not going to see another LeBron James. We're not going to see another Tom Brady. We're not going to see another, a, another Conor McGregor. You people, I swear to God, the hate on those three. If you're a Bills fan, go ahead and hate Tom Brady. But don't be unrealistic, say he's overrated and he's a product of a system. You are out of your mind. You people that say LeBron James can't play with the in the 80s, he would dominate the 80s. Are you high? Are you high? It's Conor McGregor. Don't hate Conor McGregor. He's the most special fighter in, in UFC history. In UFC history. I mean, it, it, it's ridiculous. Where, where's boxing's big superstar? Where's baseball's big superstar? You know, I mean, who's, I don't watch hockey enough to know, but who's the biggest star in hockey right now? Oh, it had to be uh, Ovechkin or... Um, to oh, the God, kid, right? No, Crosby. Oh, screw, screw Sidney Crosby. As a Rangers fan, how dare you, sir? Screw that guy. What a whiner. Don't even get me started on him. Okay, I will not. Um, but, like, but just, ah, man, these people that just hate on Conor McGregor, we'll never see Conor McGregor again. I'm enjoying this ride, man. All you haters, just, just you know, go eat your kale and, and you know, drink your freaking diet water and go to hell because – I'm going to I'm going to just sit there and I'm going to enjoy Connor. I'm going to be a front runner. I'm going to enjoy Connor. I'm going to enjoy LeBron and I'm going to enjoy Tom Brady uh because we're not going to see him again and I'm not going to be disappointed um when when they retire because I I spent enough time enjoying them. But like how say you on this 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 just hate culture by the way. I know we're sort of deviating from our show description a little bit oh, but no. just I I mean I've, I'll give you a it's it's a point on it. I, the the biggest thing I have with it too is that these people criticizing greatness and they can't appreciate it. They're, they're the keyboard warriors who can't get their fat ass off the couch and never seen a gym in their life. Like, stop being a hater, man. Just appreciate it while it's there. No, I agree. So, uh, speaking of great, though, how about that Tyron Woodley fight? I mean, I, did, did you come away – who did you come away most impressed with? I mean, mine was Wonderboy. Even over Connor. Because, you know, we've seen Connor do this before, but Wonderboy, man, dude, for, for a guy that grew up in the kind of privilege that he did, and to have that kind of, for one chin, to just, like, resolve after Tyron Woodley and his giant arms has you, has you in a guillotine just waiting for you to tap, and you just don't, impressive, man, impressive. Like, I, I thought that was the fight of the night. Um, I disagree with the majority draw. Uh, I think that Woodley was in control for most of that fight. And I think that, I mean, the rematch is going to be great. I'm really looking forward to that rematch. But I definitely didn't agree with the majority draw. I definitely think it should have been a unanimous decision that uh, that Woodley won. Um, I think I think Woodley run, won. I think Woodley run, won. Uh, what am I, am I remembering this correctly? One, two, or one, three, four, and uh, he sort of gets out in five, but definitely one, three, and four. Definitely four. 
I mean, even though the end of it didn't really go that well for him, but the, I mean, he dominated the majority of that round. But how say you about that fight? Oh, I, I, I think what um, what helped him out, uh, Wonder Boy, I should say, was just his resolve. I think, and you know, deservedly so. He got a lot of credit for that, and I think the judge is, you know, kind of scored it that way. But you got to remember too, he's on the defensive. It's like, yeah, he, he is. You know, he escaped and persevered through one of the deepest guillotine chokes I've ever seen. The guy's apparently got the strongest neck in mixed martial martial arts. But I mean, the strongest Woodley, neck ever. Yeah, Woodley. Woodley just seems like the better fighter to me. I the majority draw I didn't agree with. I thought Woodley should at least got a split decision. Um, Woodley right. doubled him on strikes almost. You know, one thirteen to six. So Woodley, for the most part, yeah. I thought was in control. And I agree with you. They did gas out for the end. I can't blame him because Woodley's throwing everything but the kitchen sink at him, and this kid just will not get off. At the end of that fourth. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I've never been more excited for a rematch. Like, these guys, they have, they need a rematch in five, six months. I mean, hell, you know, who knows? Maybe rematch at UFC 211 in Buffalo at the Niagara Center. I'm all in on that. But, you know, we're going to try to go to it. But I don't let we're gonna try. touch a – yeah, don't let these guys touch another fighter until then. They need to rematch. Worst, worst thing you can have happen is Woodley loses the belt to someone, or Wonder Boy gets upset by some, you know, some random challenger. Like, keep these two away from each other until they fight again. And I'll, I'll, yep. I'll either I'll be at the fight if it's in Buffalo, or I'll gladly throw down sixty-five bucks to watch it. <laughs> yeah, or we'll do it. You know, we'll we'll do it the Tony way. How about that? Because uh, full disclosure. We watched the fights together, and it was quite a good time. Uh, by the way, if anybody missed our UFC 205 preview, you know, listen to it for the results. But the sound quality, not as good as we'd hoped, but, you know, I, we're working on it. We're, 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 a small, we're a small enterprise. We're, we're still finding our way. You know, the first Apple computer was made of wood, for Christ's sake. So I think we're, I think we're in good shape. But anyway, listen to the UFC 205 preview because, boy, did we get some predictions wrong. I think we got most of the fights correct. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think that, uh, I, I don't think we had a lot of them going the way they did. I mean, we thought Misha would win and Misha didn't. Um, oh yeah. Now Misha's, Misha's heart was not into that fight. Yeah. I her, she just wasn't into that fight and there's no way to really predict that. But, um, but yeah, I, I uh, that's really sad actually, but she has a lot of options. So I don't feel too bad for her. I mean, she's 30. No. She's really young. So, yeah, she'll be all right. She's going to land on her feet, and, you know, we're going to see That's Misha. If you watch thing. MMA, you're going to see Misha Tate. MMA for you. Like, you can – she was, you know, champion of the women's division, you know, within the last year, and then all of a sudden one fight, and you just fall off the cliff, and your career's over. It just happens like that. Yeah. Yep. She just didn't have it in her physically anymore. I mean, she's taken a pounding over her career, and uh, you know what? Big ups to her. She was a champion. Um and you know she's she's one of the classiest people on the planet. Like I, well, you and I both have a huge crush on Misha Tate. Um, you know I, I I like her. You know if uh, I'm I'm stealing this from somebody, I want to say I can't remember if it was uh, Joe Rogan or Brendan Schaub. I want to say it was Schaub. If you have a daughter, and I do, and uh, you have a story about my daughter, which is cute. Um, but I would definitely love for her to grow up and be like Misha Tate. Um, because that girl is all class, and you never hear her say a bad thing about anyone. And she's just she's just a smart girl. It's it's, it's great. So um, yeah, I'm uh, sad to see her go, but you know what? We'll be seeing her definitely in the media for sure. 
yeah, she's got a bright future. I mean, don't you know, don't too cry or don't cry too much for Tate. She she's really good at commentary. She'll land somewhere. Yep. Nope, I agree. So yeah, Tony, like I said, we watched the fight together and you said you had a funny story about my daughter, so very excited to hear it. Oh yeah. Uh while you and uh my buddy Beecham there were out getting the food, I was hanging out with your lovely wife and little the little baby Avery. And I was getting the uh the fight set up on the laptop, which I was going to, you know, stream through the television. So I start playing on the laptop, trying to get everything set up, and Avery comes over and grabs my cell phone. You know, she's talking. She's like, "Oh, here, here." She keeps trying to give it to me. I was like, "Oh, you know, you want to, you want to text someone? You know, let's, let's open up Pandora's box. Let's see how well this goes." So, first name I pull up on my my text is uh, my fiance. And I was like, "Oh, go ahead, Avery. You know, you know, text her whatever you'd like." So, of course, your daughter, the first letter she types is F. And I'm like, "Oh man, what are the chances that her second letter can be U?" And then I'll just immediately hit send. I was like, just think my poor fiance, just hanging out, trying to have a nice little Saturday night where I'm gone, and she gets a text from me that says, F you, and then I just respond with a, you know, with a selfie of your cute little daughter, and be like, oh, it wasn't me. <laughs> it was, it was, uh, it was this child. It was this six, or 17-month-old. Yeah, that's, uh, boy, when they start getting into those upper months, it starts to get confusing to remember which one they're on, but yeah, that's hilarious. Um, now, how did your wife? How did your you know? I'll say wife for all intents and purposes. How did she take it? Like, how did what did what did she, how did she respond? Like, was she like the hell? Like, why are you around oh, children? Was that was that a uh, response? Well, at first it was like um what and a bunch of question mark and exclamation points, and then I sent her a selfie of Avery and started to make a little more sense for. Her. Yeah, but basically she's like, you know, who sure. who left you in the care of a child? Like, who's crazy enough? Uh huh. Yeah, that's pretty funny though. Um, she loved it, man. Oh, your, man. your daughter loves me, especially when I do Elmo. God, that's so creepy. It's so creepy how well you can do <laughs> Elmo and Mickey Mouse. I'm about to tag Elmo on the twi- the Twitter, uh, the under the hoodies Twitter, by the way, and uh, just have him as a special guest, just so we get some more, uh, so we get some more ears on this uh, on this uh, small ship. Yeah. I'll tell you what, man. You haven't lived until you've hung out with me on a Saturday night, and I'm about four or five root beers deep, and I start singing uh, Drowning Pool's uh, Bodies as Elmo. It's amazing. Oh, yeah. I definitely have not lived yet, then. That's, uh, I look forward to doing that. Maybe we can do that on the uh, on the ride to the Florida State game. Uh, this is the cute Florida State game. Oh, man. I'm going to take you for a slice at Varsity Pizza, and I'll, I'll sing it at Varsity. I'll let the whole crowd hear it. Mountains. Looking forward to that. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I got forgot to hit the cough button. Um, so, basically, just to put a bow on UFC 205, let's put that in the list of things that have lived up to a type, man. The Dark Knight, um, LeBron James. It's uh, really it, man. UFC 205, for all the hype surrounding it, I mean, I think it lived up to the hype of uh, Madison Square Garden, uh, and, and UFC 200. If you can combine all that hype, I would say 205 lived up to it because I thought it was a great card. I was so happy we got it, and uh, happy to watch it with you and your buddy Beach, who has fantastic eyebrows, just beautiful eyebrows. Um, but yeah, no, it was a good time, and uh, glad you guys came. It was a, it was a lot of fun, and <clears throat> man, whenever Connor fights again, I don't care if he's fighting 
you know, Floyd Mayweather, I am uh, 1,000% ordering that because that guy is must-see TV. Must-see TV. Oh, dude, I, I would watch a pay-per-view. I'd pay 65 bucks for if Connor fought a phone book. They'd be like, oh, look at you. What the fuck? You're big. You're yellow. And you're freaking out police. Well, I'm going to destroy you in the ring. I'm going to rip you to shreds. Like, I, I'm watching the second. Mad, a heartbeat. Mad absolute. Um, the, uh, <laughs> wow. Um, yeah, your best. All right, so. All right, you're listening to Under the Hoodies. This is Bill Kegel. That's Tony DiNicola. And we just got done discussing UFC 205. Fantastic. Uh, if the uh, if it ever shows up again on FS1, definitely uh, definitely set your DVR to that because it was uh, it was one one for the ages. So let's talk about the NFL and let's talk about. We'll start with your boy Tony Romo. Cl- oh right, listen, man, this might be blasphemous. This might be blasphemous as a New York Giants fan, but. I love that guy. Like, I'm a big Tony Romo fan. I think that that guy handled everything he's going through this year with the utmost class. I, I mean, you don't see that kind of stuff from – you don't see that stuff – you know, kind of stuff from athletes that often. That was a real moment. It wasn't a canned, you know, you know, I, you know, I just want to do what's best for the team. It wasn't canned. There was real emotion there, and I love Tony Romo for that. I love my pro athletes especially my quarterback, showing that kind of emotion, that kind of care for his craft. Absolutely 1,000% loved it. And I, I hope Tony Romo resurfaces next year on a contender. I mean, he's going to go to another team most likely, but I really hope he resurfaces on a, uh, you know, a, a Denver or Arizona, preferably an AFC team so he gets the hell away from the Giants. But, um, but man, I, I, I just fell in love with that guy. Um as a Cowboys fan, uh, curious to hear your take. Cause we haven't talked about this really. So, uh, what did you think of Tony Romo's, um, essentially exit? Per, uh, he's, not released, but you know, for all intents and purposes, we'll just say an exit press conference. Yeah. Well, I'm really torn, man. Anybody who knows me, I've been the biggest Romo fan for years. I'm the biggest Romo apologist. I, I mean, I, I'm a true Cowboys fan. There's no bandwagon here. I've been there through the lean years when we had Quincy Carter and, you know, Terry Glenn in the twilight of his career. You know, the the pain in the ass that was Terrell Owens, Dave Campbell as our head coach. I've seen very lean years where the cupboard was bare, especially a quarterback. You know, we hadn't drafted a, a quarterback since Aikman and what was it, 89, I want to say, 88 or 89. But, yeah, for Roman to come along yeah. and to usurp, you know, usurp uh, Bledsoe as a starting quarterback and just the excitement he brought. He had that he had that Brett Favre flavor to him where he seemed like a kid playing the game, having fun, creating plays on a whim, scrambling around, his elusiveness, doing the best that he could with what very little he was given. And then now for them to have just this, you know, seemingly uber talented team, one of the best teams they've had, you know, probably since the Bill Parcells year where they, I think they went thirteen and three and lost to your Giants and you know in the division round. But it it's hard, man. Like we're doing so well. Dak looks so good, so poised. But you can't help but feel for Romo, man. It's it's just tough when it's you know, you're thirty six and just the end comes out of nowhere. You know, we all thought he was gonna come back healthy and you know, ready to lead this team deep to the playoffs. And, you know, that, that back injury in the preseason game against Seattle, he goes down and just never gets his job back. And it, 
it, it's just scary how similar this situation is to the guy that he took over for, Drew Bledsoe. I mean, this happened to Bledsoe in Dallas. This happened to Bledsoe in 2001 when he got hurt in week two or three and Tom Brady came in, and that was it for him in New England. You know, next thing you know, Brady was the Super Bowl. Patriots are off to a dynasty, and, you know, Bledsoe's getting cast off, you know, to Dallas. And it's – I think Romo handled it with the utmost class. You know, he he spoke perfectly. He wasn't trying to gain pity from anyone. He fully supported Dak. But, you know, he also said he's not he's not done playing football. So, I, I, I'll tell you, man, wherever he goes, hopefully it's not, like you said, a team in the NFC. I'm going to root for the guy. I'll always root for the guy. I, I, you know, I can't help but love him. And it's like we said earlier. I mean, I'm not saying Romo's the greatest quarterback ever. He's been he's been a very good quarterback. The numbers have proven it. You know, it just so happens that he will have some of those boneheaded plays at the toughest. No, nah, maybe not the toughest of times, but when the most eyeballs are on him, usually in prime time. But I mean, give the guy his sure. due. He's he's had a great career, and I I hope he goes on and continues it somewhere. And who's to say too that you know. Sunday, the game against the Ravens, Dak doesn't go down and get hurt, and Romo's right back in. It's the NFL. It, it can happen at any point. So I, I'm definitely not closing the, guy, the the book on the guy's career, and I hope nothing but the best for him. Now, how do you feel about Dak being your quarterback going forward? Well, I mean, I, I feel great. I, for a rookie quarterback, and I, it gets to a point where I forget he's a rookie, to be as poised and as controlled as he is. And one of the one of the best things about Dak is just how they don't put it all on him. They put weapons around him. That running game takes a ton of pressure off him. And his um, mm-hmm. the beginning of his career is, is very eerily similar to uh, Ben Roethlisberger in Pittsburgh. Both came along as rookie quarterbacks. I believe Ben started his career, I think they were like 12-0, and 0, maybe 13-0 or 12-1. and 1. Yeah, and, um, along those lines, yeah. Yeah. But they they put players around him to help him. It takes some of the pressure off him. I mean, both guys, they lead – they um oh, excuse me. They're both low in their pass attempts. They're not making them chuck it all over the yard. They're relying on the running game. But as low as they are in their pass attempts, they're very high in their yards per attempt. So they're being efficient with what they're doing, and they're making good throws. They move around well in the pocket. Uh, Dak steps up and makes the big throw. I love that he's not afraid to take a hit deliver that throw, get it to his receiver, even though he knows the linebacker's coming on him just to plow him into the turf. The guy's elusive. He's not – he's a mobile quarterback, but he's not run first. You know, he only he only chooses to run when it's absolutely necessary. He's always got his eyes downfield. I, I – I, you know, we got the guy for four more years. I'm excited for the future. And, you know, after years of not having the quarterback in the future, we have the one of the future and the present. Like, I – Dallas' future looks very bright, and I'm, I'm very excited to see where it goes. Yeah, um, I'm not because I don't want them in my division, which is a good sign for your team when a Giants fan is afraid. So, uh, yeah, you guys have your quarterback in the future. Philly has their quarterback, Kirk Cousins, you know. Uh, I think I think he's their quarterback. It's hard to find a Kirk Cousins type. Yeah. Um, Kirk's had a good year. I'll give him so, credit. Yeah. He's, had, he's come along pretty well. Yeah, they're not a bad team. I mean, I don't really think the Giants are somehow six and three, and it might be the most hollow six and three I've ever seen. But uh, I, no, I mean, no, no, I mean, no. Hey, hang on a second. You've given some love to my Cowboys. I'll give some love to your Giants. 
the most hollow six and three I've ever seen is the Houston Texans, where Brock Osweiler can't even throw for two hundred yards. I, at the very like I said, I'll give you credit, man. You guys got Eli Manning, a two-time Super Bowl winning quarterback. You want to talk about hollow? Look, look at Houston, man. Like I don't even understand how they're winning games. But in the modern-day NFL, you can't throw for 200 yards. That's mind-boggling to me. Lamar Miller. That's really about it. Um, but, no, really, I mean, I mean to go back to Dallas, I mean, a, a good – just the kind of things that Dak is doing, right? And I'm not seeing this out of a lot of other rookie quarterbacks. I haven't seen this out of, like, a rookie quarterback. Man, I can't even really think the last time. But I'll give you a play. Like, the Des Bryant touchdown. All right. Flush out of the pocket a little bit, just pressure right in his face, and to just deliver an absolute perfect ball as he's about to get hit. I mean, as a fourth-round rookie, basically somebody – Connor Cook was taken ahead of him for crying out loud. Like, that was ridiculous. Um, but that play right there to me just sort of that, – that showed what Dak Prescott is right there is – that like that ability to just maintain, just be that poised. And the other thing that I'm really impressed about Dak, let's talk about some off the off the field stuff, right? Free tickets to go to a Kanye West concert? Nope. Gonna go to bed early. Um, what are some of the other ones? What are you doing his off week? Wasn't he like in the process of buying his mother a house, like in his off week or something like that? I know instead of like going and doing stuff like and hanging out with the, with his friends or whatever, he, I think he stayed in Dallas, and I I want to say he was looking for his mom's house, but like stayed behind and watched more film and hung out with the coaches and stuff. I mean, that guy on and off the field, minus the slip up the DUI, which I thought, I thought was kind of harsh, even at the time, even though I, nobody knew, nobody saw this coming out of that. But like, I think I said on a couple episodes ago that people don't remember that Eli Manning had a, had a DUI in college when he was a freshman. It's just like, you know, we're all dumb. We all make mistakes, whatever. Like he's clearly matured. And I think that's the most impressive thing. He's as mature as Tony Romo. Tony Romo is the guy who's been in the NFL for what? He's, he, what did he get drafted? No, three. So, yeah, I mean, just absolutely impressive guy. And I'm, um, I'm, I'm happy for Dallas, man. You guys have had some tough years I, since, since the Aikman-Smith-Irving era, I mean, which basically died when Irving broke his neck in Philadelphia and those losers in Philadelphia cheered. I mean, that, that was probably the end of that. And you guys really haven't been re- relevant since. And then in comes this Tony Romo, and I, I, I always hated the notion that he wasn't clutch. People just can never forget that botched snap. That, no, that's ridiculous. Like, that is absolutely ridiculous. Think, think about how bad yeah. Dallas would have been over the last handful of years. When you don't have a franchise quarterback like a Tony Romo, you, have, you, have, you don't have hope, right? But that's a good thing about having a franchise quarterback because no matter what, you have hope. And that's what Tony Romo brought to Dallas for a long time is hope. He gets injured. Really not his fault. I mean, it, it, you know, some people are more prone to injuries than others. Not a big deal. But I don't know. I, I just thought the criticism of Tony Romo throughout his career, Dallas unfortunately isn't going to feel that once he's gone because they have a, such a great replacement. But, man, Tony Romo just was not appreciated enough just over the course of his career. And I hope he goes to, like I said, a, 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 a team that can use him. And I hope he has a lot of success. And ideally he'd win a Super Bowl before his career is over, at least one, just to sort of cement his place in the Hall of Fame. Because he really, outside of a Super Bowl, I mean, if he gets a Super Bowl, he's in there. He might not make it if he doesn't. But 
he's just he's just an impressive an impressive quarterback. And yeah, I and still I'll, think he has I'll, some years. I'll I'll add to your point too about the you know the Seattle game in the playoffs where they botched the field goal. If people forget that was the first season he took over, and mm-hmm. you never have your starting quarterback as the holder on a field goal. It makes no sense. But because they started Weird, the season right? like that. Yeah, that's just how it was. That's how he got put in that spot. It just seems crazy to me the guy's battling all game. And then, you know, at the most key moment, you have him holding for a field goal. It's preposterous to me. And the whole – when people say he's injury prone, people forget that, you know, for the first four, maybe five years of his career, Dallas had one of the most piss-poor offensive lines in the league. It hasn't always been a dominant line for the Cowboys. Romo was scrambling for his life back there and taking hit after hit after hit. And it's just – it's a collection of all those hits over time, man. They say, you know, getting tackled in the NFL is like getting into a car accident at 30 miles per hour. You just, you total those up over 10 years, man. It just catches up to you quick. And that's what we're seeing now with Romo. It's his body's just giving up on him because he's taken so much abuse over the years. Right. No, I agree. Um, it's, you know, it sucks that, uh, you know, he's done in Dallas for the process purposes, unless there's an injury to Dak. But I don't know. He He's going to resurface. He's going to have a lot of success, basically. So, all right, let's 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 talk about the Giants for a little bit. So, you gave the Giants a little bit of credit, right? So, they're 6-3. and three. As it stands right now, they're the third best record in the NFC. Um, as if the playoff started right now, they'd be a five seed because the, the Dallas Cowboy juggernaut is in the same division as them, which is fine. Um but man, I have a lot of I have a lot of question marks on this team. They're winning. I don't know how. Eli doesn't look particularly great. They look great in stretches. Like the first the first series against the Bengals was the most efficient I've seen them all year. Good play calling. They can't run the ball. Their offensive line is shaky. I I was really kind of upset that they didn't go after a Joe Thomas in free agency or excuse me at the trade deadline. I mean, I think that guy is definitely worth a third or a second round pick because I think I think having a surefire you know healthy durable left tackle. You know, um, Pro Bowl, uh, Pro Bowl left tackle for uh, for uh, excuse me, uh, Pro Bowl left tackle for years, but just being wasted, not blocking anybody really worth blocking, and you know, shoring up that side of the line, moving Eric Flowers to right tackle where it's not as huge of a responsibility for him to handle. I mean, he might. I went so far as to call him a bust yet, but he's definitely not a left tackle. You know, he's definitely not a natural you know fit of left tackle right now. He might develop into one. But, I mean, the offensive line is I went, kind of a mess. All right, no running game. You know, Odell Beckham's really the only receiver doing anything. Uh, Victor Cruz, good story. He came back. He's not the same Victor Cruz. Sterling Shepard's a rookie, and I think he'll be fine. He'll be good going forward, right? Like, I like the tandem of Shepard and Beckham. But they don't have a lot of size. They got they basically benched Larry Donnell for Will Ty, which I thought was the right move. I've been saying that for weeks now. Um, and the defense, not getting a ton of pressure, right? They're not creating a ton of turnovers. But – you know, good. I give credit to two players on the defense, maybe three, because they've been uh, Olivier Vernon really good against the run um, this year. You know, the second on the team in sacks, except for our tied for first on the team in sacks, except for the other person he's sharing it with is a strong safety in Landon Collins, who I think should get some defensive player of the year uh, consideration this year because he's been an absolute man possessed this year. I mean, amazing in pass the pass coverage, amazing against the run creating turnovers. I mean, like I said, tied for first in the team in sacks and leads the team in tackle. I mean, he's Mr. Do-it-all on defense. Um, 
But other than that, uh, Janoris Jenkins doing a real good job. But other than those three, man, I, I don't really see a ton. Like, Jason Pierre-Paul is not creating pressure on the quarterback like he used to be able to. You know, he looks to be in better shape. But that hand, I don't know if that hand's still an issue or what. Um, the linebacking core has been an absolute disaster this year. I mean, they're, they're, they're bend and break sometimes you know, linebacking core. And, and somehow this team is 6-3. and three. It just doesn't make sense to me. So Tony is an outsider with a uh, actually sort of a trending towards negative bias opinion. You gave a little bit, but, like, how, how, how do you see the Giants finishing this year? I mean, their next two games are against Chicago and Cleveland, which is good, but they finished the year. Uh, the three of their last four games are the division games, one each team, uh, Philly, Washington, and Dallas. But – What's up? How, what have you seen from them? I, I think they can do just enough to make the playoffs. I don't think they can make much noise after that, especially in the super mediocre NFC this year. Seems like just a bunch of teams just floating around while Dallas is sitting at the top. Yeah. Yeah, I thought Minnesota would right. challenge them, but not with that offense and the injuries they've had. They're just a sinking ship. But I, the Giants, Minnesota I mean, doesn't look like they can make the playoffs. It's like you said earlier, if you have a franchise quarterback, you've always got a shot. And, I mean, they've got Eli. The guy's won two Super Bowls. When you have Odell Beckham with him, I mean, one of the most talented and amazing athletes in the NFL. I mean, my God, that double move he used on Monday night for that touchdown, that route was one of the, was one of the prettiest route runs I've ever seen. That was just pure ridiculous. That was the NFL equivalent of crossing a guy over in basketball. Like it was just – if you people haven't seen it, go check it out on YouTube. It was just a thing of beauty. Just like – he broke the guy's ankle. But I – if they can get that running game going, man, and I believe uh, – I believe your boy, uh, it's Vernon, right, coming back? Um, oh, Vereen, Shane Vereen, yeah. Or Vereen, Vereen, yeah. Excuse me, sorry. Yeah, if he can come back and they can get get the running game going a little bit and get that pass rush going, I think they've got a shot. I, like I said, I don't think it'll be much. I think they'll make the playoffs – depending, you know, who they match up against. It's looking like it'll be – I mean, I think Seattle's going to be in the two seed, so it would probably be maybe Detroit or or Atlanta. That's a tough, but that'd be a fun matchup, Atlanta-New York. But, I don't know. I mean, we'll see. They're 6-3. They're and three. I mean, like you said, they got an easy schedule coming up. Win those two games. Next thing you know, you're 8-3 and three and, you know, maybe split a couple of division games. You know, they, they can finish 10-6 and six in the wild card. I hope so. I really do. I mean, yeah, they really should win the next two games. That's where I worry. I mean, they should roll. They should roll Chicago. They should roll Cleveland. They play at Pittsburgh, which that defense. I mean, that game could turn out turn out to be a shootout. And then, like you said, Dallas, uh, Detroit, Philly, and Washington. I mean, I, I'm looking yeah. at them on paper, and obviously games aren't played on paper. But they should be Chicago. They should be Cleveland. Pittsburgh. That's an either or. It's hard to know. Dallas might beat them. They should beat the Lions. They really should beat the Eagles again, and they are a better team than Washington. But, boy, I don't like ending the season on the uh, the guy that sort of owns Odell Beckham mentally. I really just don't. I, I, it really worries me. But, yeah, I agree with you about the 10-6 and six and, and the NFC being down. You know, they could sneak into the playoffs, and it would be kind of nice to see what they do in the playoffs because, for whatever reason, when the Giants get in the playoffs, Eli turns into the freaking greatest quarterback you've ever seen in your life, and it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. He doesn't make the stupid throws that you see in games, and it's just, you know, I mean, especially, I hope there's still some of that magic left. But Especially as a wild card team. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't they win both their Super Bowls as a wild card? 
Yeah, they're ten and six in the first one and nine and seven in the last one. And they actually had to beat your Dallas Cowboys on uh Sunday night to get into the playoffs and, and they almost did. Tony Romo and again we're gonna go back to Tony Romo oh, real quick. Thank Tony Romo, you remember this Tony Romo's hand in that game? It was massive. Yeah. It was swollen and it was purple. He could barely grip the football. And the Giants were a amazing blocked field goal by JPP away from not winning that game. So uh man yeah. again, big up well, to guy Tony he, uh, Romo there because ugh. I believe he got it pinched on a on a sack or a hit by uh I think it was like a Giants linebacker. His, his hand was no, up in that motion, happened. and he I got it pinned to his own helmet. I'm almost positive that that was the game before when he when he hurt his hand. Almost positive okay. it was the game before. So, all right. So, that's enough for the Giants. That's enough for Dallas. Let's talk about wow. our bet. What did we bet last week? We I know what game we bet. We bet the the, the uh, Bears and Bucks. I picked the Bucks, yeah, correct? Yeah, you took okay, the Bucks so yeah, and they I won. destroyed the Bears. Yeah, we took them yep. straight up because it was one. Yeah, because it was a one point. So we just decided to do it straight up. So, um, yeah, man, I got to find another movie for you. So you haven't watched your movie from last week. You don't want to get these sort of stacking up. I know this past weekend Listen, was sort man. of my fault because I had you come here. So that's fine. I'm not judging. I'm not judging. I'm busy. I've been watching Juice Hoops. I've been at the Dome, man. Dome, sweet Dome. It's my second place from home, and I'm using those season ticks. I love it. Yeah, no, I'm pumped that you got those. Actually, I know how happy you were. But no, 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 I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm not hating on you. Just you know, just watch both of them. We'll report back. So if you remember, the uh, movie I was gonna have you watch um, was I Love You, Philip Morris, with Jim Carrey and Ewan McGregor. Fantastic movie. Um, that's a nice day movie. So I'm looking now. Let's see here. I'm trying to find my my list on Netflix, and for whatever reason, it's not coming up here. Um, if you want a chance to look at it, I got something for you. Go ahead. No, something we haven't mentioned. How, you know, we've they've talked all year about how the ratings are down for the NFL, and I do think the – I don't want to get into it at all by any means, but the election had a big influence on that. But how exciting were these games this week? I mean, Dallas-Pittsburgh was amazing at the end. The whole the whole game I thought was great, just a back-and-forth slugfest. New England-Seattle yep. – I mean, basically, a rematch of the Super Bowl, the same scenario, except the roles reverse, where New England, you know, has four downs on the goal line and they can't get in against Seattle. Seattle pulls out the upset in New England. And then even the Monday night game with, with the Giants and Cincy. I mean, we're finally starting to get some good NFL product on the field, and I'm beyond excited to see it because, for the most part, a lot of the games have been rather lackluster. Right, and they have. What a great weekend for just sports in general, by the way, after UFC 205 and then uh, Michigan losing to Iowa on Saturday. A lot of upsets in college football on Saturday. And then you go into UFC 205, and then you finish up with uh, with those great you know, early and late games. I mean, the Saints-Denver game was a good game. Pittsburgh-Dallas, yeah. you mentioned, was a good game. Seattle-New England. I mean, there was just a lot of good yeah. games. Um, I'll give Pittsburgh uh, man, I think credit, the- too, because – when they pulled the uh, old Dan Marino fake spike out of their back pocket, I, I, I even called it when he when he ran up to the line like that. I was like, he's going to try the fake spike. I can almost guarantee it. And then pulls it off. Right. I was like, man, they got us. Like I thought that was game set match. Have you seen? I'm trying to see if it's on here. Have you seen Django Unchained? Uh no. It's surprisingly no, I have not. I do need to watch that. That's on that's on Netflix. That's actually surprising. It's not. 
Do you? It was. Oh. I haven't looked at Netflix in a while. I just searched for it now. So it was actually surprisingly. Yeah, but, uh, way to no. come prepared. Way to uh, do your homework. No, you didn't even know who won. I don't want to hear it. Oh, I can't wait to school you and SU hoops. It's going to be ridiculous. It's 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 going to be it's going to be McGregor versus Alvarez all over again. Wait, what do you mean? What do you mean? I, I'm going to. This is a PPI. What the hell? Second belt. Give me a fucking second belt. Four point two billion dollars. Oh you motherfuckers. Listen, I'll fire your ass. Oh, that's fine. Yeah, because I'm sure everyone wants to listen to you drone on for 60 minutes straight. That won't put people to sleep. <laughs> listen, oh, if you guys are having Eagles. trouble sleeping, join, join me on uh, Under the Hoodie. Yeah. Just me. I'll talk to you yeah. about why Russell Wilson is worth his country. <laughs> yeah. so you're a Bi- dick. Good old uh, Bill Eagle from Buffalo, the gap tooth of personality. Yeah, people will love that. I'm, I'm, sure, I'm, I'm sure the listeners and the downloads will just skyrocket at that point. I don't like how personal you're making this right now. I just don't understand. Um, you know what? I don't mean. In all, yeah, in, in all sincerity, I'm, I have a lot of personal. I'd like to take this time. I'd like to take this time to apologize to absolutely fucking nobody. Champ does what the fuck he wants. Ah, I'm not even gonna lie. I'm pretty devastated that you just said all that. I'm not. I don't even know if I can continue on with the show. You're gonna watch Robin Williams starring in World's Greatest Dad, a movie written by Bobcat Goldthwait. Great movie. It's a lot of your type of humor too. Perverted, kind of stupid. Not really. Uh, mm. not really funny. But you know, funny. No, I'm just kidding. World's Greatest Dad is fantastic. It's uh, it's great. You're gonna watch it. It's starring uh, Robin Williams. Uh, Maggie might actually get a kick out of that too, so uh, you're welcome. Come prepared. How dare you? I am prepared. Minus the fact that it's gonna be ten minutes to find a movie. But uh, anyway, so I yeah. Uh, all right, we're gonna jump into Syracuse hoops right now. Um, Juice. Go ahead, Tony. Start schooling me. Since you're gonna be schooling me and I don't know anything, you just go ahead and you just talk about Syracuse, and I'm gonna lay down. No, I want I want to know what uh, how little you know. Talking about I love how little. Lineup. All right, so all right, so here's what I don't understand, right? Is that I don't know anything. So, but but if I tell if I come on the show and I announce that I'm a, you know a little tired, just running a little under the weather, you know, because I have a child to raise or a mortgage to pay and all this other stuff that normal adults have to do, but don't whine about. So I'm trying to get, but this is okay to berate your uh, co-host um, about how I don't know anything about the topic we're about to start. That doesn't make any sense. So, how is that worth? Oh, oh man, than what I've you got a did? child. My life is so hard. Man, I'm pretty sure you're not the one who scores her out of your vagina. See how your wife feels. I wasn't talking about that. I was talking about how, how uh, <laughs> you berating me on Syracuse basketball before we even do it, but how I'm not prepared. I don't know what I'm talking about. Is is good for the show. I, I would love to. Yep. I want to hear this because this is very okay. funny. Because you're you're constantly telling me what I'm doing right and wrong on the show. I never say anything to you about it because you're doing everything pretty much right, and I don't have any problems with anything you're doing. And that's fine. I'm fine with constructive criticism. But I guess what I'm not fine with is the fact that you're announcing to everybody that I'm not prepared, although I am, and I don't know the Syracuse starting lineup for something we're about to actually start talking about. So uh, so everybody's expectation is lower. But 
me saying I'm tired at the beginning of a show is some kind of issue. So very confused, but go on, Tony. Tell me how I'm wrong. What do you want me to say? You want to talk some pea soups? I'm excited. No, I want to finish this conversation because I'm very confused why you did that. That was very rude. Oh, jeez, are you getting butt hurt now? If, you, if you're looking for an apology, you're not going to get one from this guy. I'm not looking for an apology. I'm looking for an explanation. The, the, you know, we, we sort of – I mean, I just don't understand why you would just start start this segment like that. It's very weird. I'm sorry. No, no, I'm not. You just said you weren't going to apologize. The, you, know, you know what? I, yeah, I know. I just – yeah, I have that up. Um, I didn't go to the gym tonight, man, so I'm, I'm, I'm being a bit of a douche. I'm sorry. Sorry for that, for being a douche. I'm not sorry for what I said, though. You're not sorry for saying that I wasn't prepared? When I'm prepared, I'm sitting here in front of two pages of notes that, about a team that hasn't been televised yet. You live down the street from the goddamn Carrier Dome. I live two uh, and a half uh, hours away whoa, from it. Whoa, it's somehow whoa. some kind Excuse of animal. Excuse me, sir. Excuse me. They are televised on the Watch ESPN app. I can't get it because I'll I have direct TV. I, have I don't have. Cable. I have you could use my sign on. You can use my sign on anytime you want. How would I have known that? How would I have known that before now? Because you're my buddy, and I offer you anything like that. How many times have I offered on my WWE offer Network description? Well, I'm offering it now for the wrestling I don't watch. You offered it again. Okay, great. I offer my HBO Go freaking password, and and you don't ever ask for it. So no, I'm just. And that's I, because why did you start the segment like that. Why would you do that? I that's so want, weird. I, I don't watch HBO Go because I don't want my fiancé to walk into the room and catch me watching Taxi Cab Confessions for the fourth time. I'm sorry. No, I get it. I'm not I'm not asking for an apology. I just want to know how that's good for the show. Not that you're being a I douche don't know. or you have to apologize. Okay, I'm just Let's curious. Why would you do that? Are you tired of this conversation? I, I, I okay. am. I think I'm stalling because they've all uh, clicked off. Oh, you I was stalling because uh, I we're, now we're only down to 10 minutes that we can talk about Syracuse hoops because I don't know enough about them, and I was trying to shit on your knowledge. So uh, go ahead, Tony, start. You puke. Uh, I hate you so much. All right, where do we want to begin with that? That's what you should. Came off, came off a great Final Four run last year. You know, they lose some key pieces, Malachi Richardson. Um, but this year, I, they're they're deep. They're fully loaded. They got Andrew Wade the third, a transfer from Nebraska. They got John Gillen, a guard transfer. I mean, they got Tyler Lydon, another year under his belt. And let's give Tyler Lydon some credit. The guy played out of position all all year, all season. He played the five spot, the center position. He's you know typically a three or four uh, forward. And then in the off season, the guy puts on twenty pounds, puts on some size, so he doesn't get pushed around by the much bigger guys in the ACC. You know he's a he's a preseason ne- uh, nomination for Naismith Player of the Year. I, I, I you know I love the kid. I love the way he plays. He can score. He can shoot from the outside. He can rebound. He hustles. Does everything that you ask of him. This team is just so deep. The freshman coming in, Torin Thompson, six ten, two twenty five, past twenty six. I mean, two big guys like that coming off the bench to relieve Tyler Roberson and uh, Dewan Coleman. This team has all the talent. They can score. They can shoot. They can rebound. It's just can they put it all together and can they tighten up that defense? I'm really excited to see where they go. It's also uh, 
it's also worth pointing out that Tyler Lydon is six nine and was you know, coming off the bench, although he averaged a lot of minutes coming off the bench, it's uh it's important to note that he was really small to play the position he was playing. Um and, you know, for but the good thing the good thing about him on offense, he's a good three point shooter, um, but he can also defend inside. I think Oh, I'm going off the top of my head here, but I think he had what twenty some odd blocks, about twenty blocks in the uh in the tournament. Um what five games, so what four blocks a game. I mean that's that's insane. That's insane for a guy playing out of position. Um, and, uh, I mean, That's, you mentioned Dewan Coleman. Dewan Coleman, what, fifth year senior, right? And yep. just plagued by injuries. He spent all – every offseason he's had at Syracuse rehabbing, except for, except for last season going into this season. He started every game last year. And sort of interesting to see what Dewan Coleman does with an actual offseason of training and getting ready for a season as opposed to rehabbing injuries. So it would be really curious to see. Um, but, uh, but no, the front court looks good. I mean, they have the – and you're going to have to help me with the name here. Is it Pascal Chua? Chukua? Uh, the way, the the way six, I've been pronouncing it, the way Prancer, I've heard it, yeah. Pascal Chukwu. I, I could be wrong on that. It's not an easy name to pronounce. I've been working on it. I need to do my homework like Joanna Jurchichik. Seems like you forgot your homework, but um, yeah, but no, really. I mean, he's massive. He's seven two. He's a transfer from Providence. I mean, he's seven two. I mean, I mean, just him in the zone in in the middle spot of the uh, in the post. Oh my god, my god, that length is going to be impressive on defense. Uh, obviously, an offensive liability a little bit, but go ahead. You you said it perfectly. It's not the height so much; it's the length. I mean, he's seven two. His yeah. wingspan has got to be at least seven six. You know, you have him at seven two. You got Thompson at six ten. You got Lydon at six nine. You have one of your guards coming off the bench, or well, he may be starting at some point. Andrew White, who's six seven, as your two guard. I mean, that's what Beheim does so perfectly. Is he recruits for his system? He recruits for that two three zone. And it, it, most, a lot of teams play a two three zone because they don't have the talent to play man to man. Where in Syracuse, it's the exact opposite. They have the talent, they have the size, they have the length to play zone, and it's an active zone. They get out on the shooters. They're in the passing lane. I can't see, wait to see what Pascal does at 7-2 as a center. Like, who is going to come into the paint against SU once he gets his confidence up as a freshman? Right, and uh, I do think that, uh, by the way, go back to Andrew White, I do think he's going to end up starting. I want to say he leads the team in uh, points right now, right? Um, yeah, I believe he's uh, 18 points per game. And he had 19 yesterday, 5 of 10 shooting from 3 in the game uh, against Holy Cross. The guy was just lighting up from outside. Yeah, super efficient. So, all right, um, so let's, let's, go to the, let's go to the gaudy player. Let's, get a go, let's go to Tyus Battle. All right, in the two games that you've watched, have you seen uh, sort of the, you know, have you seen, I guess, the uh, star power from him that uh, a lot of people are, you know, sort of predicting as a as a true freshman um, and a, sort of a highly touted recruit? Oh, for sure. I mean, he was three of five from three last night. The kid can shoot super quick, hyper aggressive to the rim too, which I love. I love guys that can just take it to the hole and just be aggressive and, you know, worst case, take it down to the paint and you get fouled and go to the free throw line. But, yeah, I – kids oozing talent. I think the biggest 
um, adjustment he's going to have to make is playing in that 2-3 zone. You know, typically, especially with the guards, because they have to cover more area, it's typically very hard for freshmen in the 2-3 to learn it. You know, I'm sure there'll be plenty of times where he's in Bayheim's doghouse, which, you know, it's even happened to Tyler Lydon. Everyone spends time in that doghouse. It's just, you know, how do you come out of it? Yeah, do you learn from it? I, the kid has all the talent in the world, and I, I you know, it's just going to take time. He just needs experience. It's, I'm very, yeah, I have a lot of patience with freshmen because a lot of people tend to forget, especially as fans, you know, diehard ones like you know we Orange fans are. Like, the kid's 18 or 19. You know, he's playing in front of, you know, on a bad night, maybe 20,000 fans. On a great night against Duke, 34,000 fans, where just a year ago he was in high school playing in front of maybe his biggest crowd was maybe 2,000 at a state final. Like, yeah, give the kid a little slack, you know. Let let him grow into it. Let him mature a little bit. Right. No, I agree. Um, so, uh, so, basically – He's replacing, you know, one of the spots left by uh, Benajay and Trevor Cooney. And uh, so having gone to both games, like, who's looked better out of – I mean, John uh, – sorry, John Gillian or Franklin uh, – Frank Gillian, thank you. Uh, out of Franklin Howard, who's looked better of the two? I mean, I'm gathering from what you said earlier, I'm assuming it's Gillian. Uh, well, it's tough because Frank Howard, the biggest knock on him last year was the shooting, and he – He's definitely worked on in the offseason. The guy can hit from long range now. He's been hitting his threes. I, and the guy has just such vision for the pass. The, he, he's great at dishing it out, finding the open guy down low. Uh, it's really tough to say, man. And I love John Gillen because much like battle, he's, he's super aggressive. He always finishes, takes it to the hole, has a strong left hand. Uh, it's I say Howard for now, but I think Gillen – with more experience, and if Dylan can learn to play in the two-three zone, he'll probably take over the starting role at some at some point for Howard. Or, you know, in typical Jimmy B fashion, you could have Howard start, play the first four minutes, and then Dylan comes right off the bench and plays more minutes anyways. I mean, we've seen that that recipe work for him for years. I mean, it worked great with Dion Waiters, who, and even Waiters said it himself, sitting on the bench, he got to watch, you know, how the flow of the game was going, how the other team was playing him come in after four minutes and execute. So, you know, it could be the same scenario. I really don't feel like you can go wrong with either guy. It's just it's up to them to see, you know, who grabs the bull by the horns and just, you know, takes over that spot. Um, I mean, what's the what's – the, what's the, I guess, the glaring strength and then glaring weakness uh, in the two games you've gone to? And granted, they've played a couple cupcakes, but, like, um, you know, and I guess I would say the better way to ask it is in, in comparison to uh, previous SU teams, not necessarily last year, just previous in general. How does this team stack up? I mean, it's deeper than most teams uh, in Syracuse past because I know I know even that – that uh, that great 2000 uh, 2010 team that they only really ran six seven players, whereas uh, opposed to this year, it looks like they're about eight deep. Um, but would you say? I mean, yeah. do you think that that's their biggest their biggest attribute this year is their depth? I I, do, I think it's their depth, their shooting now, their speed. Um, yeah, I, I think this is the deepest team since 2010. I believe that was the year that they had um, Anuaku and Rick Jackson. Uh, you know. 
unfortunately, Anawaku went down with that devastating ACL tear in the first round of the Big East tournament. But yeah, I they all the tools are there. I think it's just you know it's time together, just gelling together. But I, yeah, I love how deep this team is. I think they can go. It's amazing to me how you know the pundits and the so-called experts. You know, a, a Final Four team like SU. Yeah, they lost some pieces, but they reloaded in a great way, especially with two, you know, fifth-year senior transfers, how they're picking them so low in the standings and the polls. I mean, I think you were telling me earlier, that one one pollster picked them to finish, like, seventh or eighth in the ACC. Ninth, and, ninth yeah, in the ACC, yeah. yeah. That is absurd. <laughs> like, if this team is at top three in the ACC, I, I, something's gone very, very wrong. You know, unless, unless someone gets uh, academically uh, disqualified or we have, like, you know, a brutal injury, but even then, like, it seems like every position is too deep with this team. Right. So where do you think they're going to finish? Oh, man. I <laughs> See, I'm very superstitious when it comes to my cues. Um, I, I never like to pick them too far. I always like to be surprised if they go further. But, I mean, God, at least an Elite Eight, at least an Elite Eight – if we don't get there, the, I think the season will be a disappointment. I, this team is—you've got a great coach, great system, great talent. I just their offense looks so good. I mean, and that, that I thought was their their um, their biggest strength is their offense and their depth. And I thought their their biggest weakness was the defense after the first game. It seems like some of the young guys, and it takes time, you know, just aren't taking to the two-three zone. But then the game last night, they, I know it's only Holy Cross, but to hold them to 46 points, to hold any college basketball team to 46 points is is a great feat. So, uh, I, I don't know, man. I, I, I think they can make a deep run. I'm very excited for the season. Where do they stack up in the ACC? I mean, um, you know, Duke, the Dukes, North Carolinas are always going to be the class of the ACC. Syracuse is always going to be up there. But, like, uh, this year, I mean, where do you think they stack against uh, some of the uh, some of the top ACC teams? I, I, I feel like they've got to finish top three. They should be nipping on the heels of Duke the whole year. Um, that's good, though. That's good to hear. That makes me happy because uh, – you know, full disclosure, I was actually messing with you after you said that because um, basically I did my research, and uh, I, I mean, I can't really, I can't really get a grasp of the team unless I'm watching them. And my yeah. mistake about the Watch ESPN app, I should have assumed you had it, and I should have assumed you would give me your password. I should have assumed that uh, you know you had Time Warner Cable and all these other things where you where I could have watched it and I didn't know that. But you can't get Watch ESPN, by the way, through DirecTV, which is annoying as hell. But, uh, but yeah, Syracuse has been televised, all right, and I apologize. My, my sole focus has been on football. So I did my research, um, but it's hard to, like, look at a piece of paper and, and discern from what I'm reading in a couple articles as opposed to you who has been to both games and can actually watch it from a great vantage point. So, yes, you were absolutely going to school me. And, yes, it was going to be like Conor McGregor fighting, you know, that guy with no arms. But, you know, listen, full disclosure, like I said, I told you before, by the way, I keep saying full disclosure, but I told you before is essentially like I was going to be learning about Syracuse in this preview, which is what I have, which is what I've done. So, cut me a little bit of slack and – uh Let's be a little bit uh, 
feel it a little bit more diplomatic in our insults, bro. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. Well, uh, here's why I gave you the most crap, because every day, all day, you know, Mr. Bill Kegel gives me a bunch of podcasts to listen to. Hey, did you listen to Bill Burr today? Hey, did you listen to Fighter and the Kid? You listen to Adam Carolla. I gave you one podcast to listen to, and I'll give a shout-out to him because I think he does an amazing job. Jason Spears on Twitter with the um, Orange State of Mind podcast. It's only 30 minutes. The one old Billy boy gives me, every one of his podcasts are anywhere from two to three and a half hours. I said, listen to this one 30-minute podcast. He breaks down every game perfectly, gives you all the key points. It would have been great homework for this podcast, but, you know, I don't know, Billy Boy. The one thing I told but you to listen to, homework, to get it That's done. That's a ridiculous thing. That's absolutely ridiculous mm. because I did do my homework. I did. I did research, and I. That's questionable. I, full disclosure, I did forget. I did. Oh, oh yeah. my God! Yeah. You're such a douche. I don't understand why we have to yeah. just. You know, we have to be so insulty on this. This is ridiculous. This is. I did not sign up for this. But yeah, if anybody ever wants to give it a listen, the Orange State of Mind <laughs> it podcast. It's it's a great little recap and. At some point, we, you know, we'll have Jason on the show. He breaks down Q-Soups in, in a great way. And he, by the way, does not live in Syracuse. He watches every SU game on the Watch ESPN app. Yes, the Watch ESPN app I can't get. Yes, I, I, I understand that. Thank you, Tony. Um, Anytime. Now, do I have to watch the Watch ESPN uh, app live, or can I watch it after the game is over? Uh, I have no idea. I'll have to get back to you on that one. You didn't do your research on the Watch ESPN app? Nope, but I would like to do my research on what game we're going to bet this week because uh, I'm ready to lose or end this losing streak. Wow. Yeah, I to. So, um, uh, hold on. I'm pulling up Orange State of Mind now. I'm going to add it to my thing. Oh, I can't, so I have to listen on Blog Talk. Um, all right. All right, come on, schedule. Hurry up. Um, Jesus, man! I made you, Tony, and then now look how you repay me. Look how you repay me. Made me, made me. Yeah, you made <laughs> my personality. Yeah. <laughs> no. You like that? I don't know why you have to be so. No, this is the thing I don't. No, get no. Why you, you have you to know, be so? Just there has to be so much malice in this shit. It's so weird. You have to. There has to be so much. You could just say. You also insult the fact that I don't have personality, which is untrue. I mean, I wish you'd tell some truth every once in a while, but it's just so weird. You came at me so – I don't know. It's not that I'm offended. It's just more that I'm confused that you just came at me like a goddamn wrecking ball after I had you over my house. I can't house. believe you just said that. Like, you said you made me. You, no, you know what made me was, was an alcoholic you know was father, my parents divorcing, and then a stepfather <laughs> who used me as a punching bag. That's what made me. We're getting That's way why. too dark on this. Good gravy. Oh, oh good I God, man. I mean, you do you really what? want to get into some therapy? <laughs> we should do a second podcast called Terrible Childhoods with Bill and Tony, and I'll just put my whole yeah. family on blast. I'm sure none of them listen to this anyway because, you know, why would they? They have someone in their family that's actually doing something that's ambitious. So, yeah, why would we ever bother doing anything like that, like listening to their friggin' kid or their family member doing anything? So, yeah, no, we can go into that. We should do that, though. Play lessons with Bill and Tony. You know what? You know what's wrong with America nowadays? There's there's a lot less child abuse. It it builds so much character. You know, I think my daughter's going to be able to get some grit from me not, like, helping her, like, um, 
uh, like when she gets her little uh, her little cart stuck on a, a you know a lip of the floor, like going from the mudroom into the kitchen in here. And when she gets it stuck, I don't help her. You know that that's how I'm gonna that's how I'm gonna give her character is basically just by uh, letting her sort of figure things out. She's having trouble getting up on the couch. Well, you're gonna keep getting trouble until you uh, can do it yourself. I'm not gonna boost you. That's how that's how my daughter's gonna get great. I don't know about some good old fashioned child abuse though. That's really kind of sad. I don't really want to talk about it because it's pretty it's a pretty grim subject. And uh, yeah, you know. I'm but fine with it. I made schedule, peace with it. Right, yeah, hey, for real you, quick, but not uh, other kids. So I don't know why we're talking about this. I'm like getting upset. You you bring up a uh, little baby Avery there, uh, you know, for you know, future fathers out there. Do you remember that one rule I told you as a father that you have to make sure of? Uh, there's a lot of rules out there. Keep her off the pole. That's one. Yeah, that's the number uh, one rule. No, keep, was... keep, keep her off the pole. That's a Chris Rock joke. So uh, thank you for the Chris Rock joke. But um, hey, that's fine. So it looks like the worst game of the week is Miami at LA, and that's at four o'clock oh. on Sunday. Oh God, that's a dumpster fire. That'll that be the is game Red Zone never Miami tunes to. <laughs> they do do that sometimes, which is funny, where they just actively avoid certain games, which is kind of nice. So, all right, I'm looking up the spread on it now. I mean, my phone is going so much slower since I downloaded the Watch ESPN app. Yeah, the the Rams too. Uh, yeah. You know how our uh, our boss's boss is a huge Rams fan, and uh, he said something on yeah. Facebook asking if I had seen the Rams game, and I was like, no, I watch NFL Red Zone. They only show teams that score. Huh. Funny. <laughs> um, I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure that's a good idea. We should definitely troll our boss's boss on uh, on uh, on a podcast. So anyway, uh, Miami's one and a half point favorites over Los Angeles. Uh, it's um, in LA. Hmm. You sure that's the point spread or the number of people who get murdered in the stands? Oh, well, let me double check it because I'm not a hundred percent sure. It's in Los Angeles. It's the point spread. Uh, yeah, because the over under on murders would probably be three or four. Yeah, I think it's too low. So. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm yawning on a lot on air because at this point, what does it matter? You're only going to make me feel like crap about what I'm doing anyway. So. Yep. Uh, All right. Well, you won Miami. Last week, so you get the pick. Um, I'm going with two murders, and I think I'm going to take Miami. I think Miami's rolling. Uh, Robert Quinn has some kind of ailment like where he was in the hospital for, so he's not going to play probably. And if he does, it's not going to be a full strength. Aaron Donald has been really good, but not as a, not as effective the last handful of weeks. I don't like their linebacking core. And uh, the triumphant Jared Goff starts this week against Miami's defense, which isn't terrible. So I'm going to go Miami. Oh, um, that's that's pretty news to me. Point, I did so. not know. I did not know Goff was starting. Yep, Goff is starting. Um, I feel. I actually feel better about L.A. now. I think a you know, new quarterback in there, the rookie, I think he'll jumpstart that offense a little. I mean, God forbid, they scored nine points against the Jets. They can't do that much worse. Sure. All right. Uh, so that's our so yeah. uh, so that's our thing. Yeah, I'll, so Miami has to win by uh, more by two or more for me to win this week. This seems like another layup, so I'm excited. 
There you go. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I'll take those. Uh, I'll take the plus two, and uh, we will get at least one video of two drunken Rams fans fighting on YouTube by Wednesday, next Wednesday. Oh, man, you know what I just realized? The Bills haven't had a home game since the election, so I'm curious to see what racism goes on in the uh, parking lot at the Bills game. Oh, it's not. It's in Cincinnati. Damn it. Uh, I thought it was in Buffalo. Uh, the actual oh. game is in Buffalo, so they've had some time to calm down. I was just thinking that because did that girl get a lot of trouble for tackling the uh, the Muslim dummy? No. Well, yeah, even though she never said what that writer claimed, and she put him on blast on Twitter, yeah. which was amazing. It's kind of sweet, yeah. So I'm, I'm sending you, um, I'm sending you the uh, name of the movie at the watch. All right, Tony, let's put a bow, let's put a bow on the show here, and um, yes. and uh, you should take some time to apologize. Absolutely, fucking nobody. No, I'm not really that offended. Um, just. Uh, you know, I'm just really, uh, I'm just, I'm just really sensitive. It is, you know what? What is, what is today? Oh God, let me check my it's, period it's calendar here. Oh yeah, I am. How right dare you? We call of, it, uh, we call it lady uh, time. Uh, we don't use the p word in this household. I didn't say p word. Mm, sure. <laughs> yeah, let's let's, um, let's let's wrap it up though. Let's, uh, you got anything to watch? Oh, yeah. Go ahead, everybody, and watch Atlanta and FX if you haven't. Download the free FX app, which you actually don't need a specific freaking television uh, cable provider that uh, your friend has that you didn't know because you didn't think they could get freaking cable in the middle of nowhere. So, yeah, you can get the FX app and watch every episode uh, of Atlanta. Atlanta is a freaking incredible and Donald Glover is, uh, I mean, probably the smartest person working in Hollywood. And no matter your age, he's either your age or younger than you are. So uh, enjoy feeling that way about a guy creating a show that's so freaking brilliant. But, yes, everybody watch Atlanta. Freaking phenomenal. What do you got? Uh, I'm going to go with a simple but fun one because we did all this Connor talk in UFC. Uh, you got to be hiding under a rock if you haven't seen any of it, but any Conor McGregor press conference, his post-fight speech, uh, you know, the, the New York City press conference leading up where he, he arrives, you know, 10 minutes late in a Gucci mink coat dancing across the stage and stole Alvarez's belt. I, if there's, there's no better showman going than Conor McGregor. So just – I'm telling people just go on YouTube type in Conor McGregor interview press conference and just get in a YouTube vortex for a couple hours, and I guarantee you'll enjoy. I agree. It's fantastic. Tony, no hard feelings. Um, I accept your apology. I appreciate you apologizing. I just got the text. So, um, yeah, you were really being kind of rude, and, uh, I again, oh, thank you for the apology. I, I got the text, like I said, so I appreciate that. And uh, to everybody else listening, Tony did apologize. Very sweet way. Sent me a little emoji with some flowers in it. So thanks, Tony. I really, really appreciate it. Um, so what yeah, he actually means Eagle. is that uh, I sent him a dick pic. Let's be honest. So uh, yeah, find us on Twitter. Uh, hit us up uh, at Bill Keagle, Bill K Eagle. Find me at Tony Q's forty four. 
or uh, hit up the uh, Under the Hoodies Twitter page, which now has over 200 followers in not even 10 days, which is great. Uh, hit us up with your comment, your feedback, any criticisms uh, at Under the Hoodies. Uh, you know, you can download us, find us on iTunes, just search uh, Back Sports page, and then download the Under the Hoodies episodes. If you have a Samsung Android phone, a uh, great app to use is the Podcast Addict. It is a free app. And same thing, search for Back Sports page, and then download Under the Hoodies. And Guys, give us your feedback. We appreciate you listening. All right, Tony, and, uh, you know, thanks for all that. Um yeah, he's right. You know what, Tony, by the way, let's say this on air real quick. Um, let's start tweeting on that damn Twitter. <laughs> we really don't. We just we're going to do nothing. So let's actually start tweeting on that because uh, we, uh, you know, we should be putting out some funny stuff. And uh, usually around midday, I'm a lot funnier than I am around this time. But, uh, you know, I'll really let my personality show uh, at some point. So I look forward to that. All righty, buddy. Um, you love me. And uh, I love me. So uh, we'll talk to each other at another time. Listen next Wednesday for more of this witty uh, witty banter back and forth. I love everybody. Goodbye, Tony. How's she going, eh? She's gone.